This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 774 with Dr. Gertrude Lyons. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 774. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Dr. Gertrude Lyons is the founder and CEO of Rewrite the Mother Code, as well as a faculty member at Wright Graduate University. Dr. Lyons is a leading edge trainer and educator in human emergence, lifestyle, parenting, leadership development, career, relationship satisfaction and success, and women's development, including women's development around mothering and motherhood. She's on a mission to help women reclaim their lives through mothering and create a safe space where women can express their dreams, fears, and truths around motherhood. Dr. Lyons firmly believes that we are all mothers and together we can support and empower one another to be the best versions of ourselves. I'm lucky enough to be in a speaking coaching group with Dr. Lyons She's my friend Gertrude, so it feels funny to call her Dr. Lyons. So she's my friend Gertrude, and I'm lucky enough to be in a speaking coaching program with her, and she is one in a million. She's so special and so sweet, and I love the way that she talks about mothering, and I think that she is going to help you expand your heart in terms of how you think of yourself around mothering, how you mother yourself, how you mother those around you, and how you give yourself permission to ultimately rewrite your mother code. So listen in 
to hear Gertrude share how all women are mothers and how she is expanding the traditional definition and framework around mothering, what the mother code is and how she is inviting each one of us to rewrite our own mother codes, the specific steps that you can take to mother yourself, questions to ask yourself as you write your own mother code, how to check in around the feelings of fear, hurt, anger, sadness, joy each day in order to be grounded, centered, and present, and her three steps for starting to rewrite your mother code today. This is a powerful episode, a lovely conversation. I know you're going to love it. So without anything else, let's go ahead and welcome Dr. Gertrude Lyons to the Shameless Mom Academy. Gertrude, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Sarah, this is, I'm thrilled. I'm so excited to be with you today. This has been a long time in the making. So we've known each other for like a year and a half-ish. I want to say two. Speaking, maybe two. We've been in a speaker mastermind together. And so we spent like a year on Zoom calls together. And then we finally got to meet in person last spring, which was so much fun. Yeah. And now we get to be here today doing this conversation. And I'm so excited because we're both in the motherhood space. I'm going to learn so much about your work today, because even though we have all this crossover in terms of speaking, coaching and working in the motherhood space, I don't know that much about your really specific work around motherhood. And I'm so excited to learn from you. And I know my audience is going to love learning from you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's an honor. So with all that, I always like to start with the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio. And what are you feeling most excited about right now? Well, I think I just can't not say like the first thing I'm most excited about is we just had a wedding for my oldest daughter. And what's really cool about that is I was telling you before we started, it was five days of events hosted here. My husband and I hosted this at our, we have a property in Mexico But what's great about it and what I'm most excited about is like, you know, this work applies in all areas of our life, right? And I had the opportunity to apply, you know, my principles or the framework of rewriting the mother code on myself as mother of the bride Mm. through this whole year and a half engagement culminating in this wedding. So to me, you know, this was way more than, you know, some social events, you know, parties to celebrate like this Mm -hmm. celebrated a new level of birth for myself, a new, mm-hmm. like it was a birth. It was a happening that I think so many of us, like from what I can tell from women I know who yeah, been mothers of the bride, that uh, it's just, they get the nickname Momzilla. And, <laughs> and now I, I totally understand why, <laughs> because there's a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings and a lot comes up. And as we'll talk about, it's an opportunity and it and it has and still is an opportunity for my growth and transformation. So that's one yes. thing. Oh. Yeah. So the I, application I of the, the material best. never ends. Yes. Well, <laughs> 100%. And I think that anyone listening who hasn't been through that milestone yet can just imagine, like, I always have this fear of like when my child no longer needs me, which on many days sounds wonderful. But then when I really think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what will I do with myself? So I'm imagining you're walking through this five days, recognizing that like at the beginning, there's one level of need in terms of how you're showing up to support. And by the end of the five days, like you are now in a different relationship with your daughter. Um, And that's an incredible experience, a huge, huge milestone in mothering for sure. And I know we'll get into this, but you, I love the way that you talk about mothering and in such a unique and broad way, but it's like more broad, but also more deep, um, (laughs) which I think is really important and really special that like we get to keep mothering even 
if it looks different and the yeah. ways that we can define and put parameters around that, I think is really great. So we'll, we'll dig into all of that as we sure. get going. You say that all women are mothers and I love that you lead with this. Can you mm-hmm. share how you have expanded the traditional definition of mothering? Sure. So when I was doing my research and in, in my doctorate and I wanted I, this framework was emerging, it wasn't called rewrite the mother code yet, but I really wanted, and all that research was about raising women's awareness before they had kids about the transformational opportunity in mothering. So that study involved women who didn't have children yet and hadn't had children. So they could explore that and, you know, kind of learn this framework while they're in those choices and while they're deciding. And through some work I was doing, and I'll credit one of my mentors who is very dear to me, Dr. Judith Wright, in her women's organization, I had just been on a retreat and she said something in that retreat. Well, you know, like all women mother, like we all, yes, you know, we have wombs and we have this capacity to conceive, create and give birth to children. But if that was our only purpose, like then we would just, I guess, have no reason to be here on earth (laughs) once we're past that age. Right. Right. So that really struck, stuck with me. And so when I brought that into the seminar with these women, like, Hey, we all mother, you're mothering right now, whether you have a child or not. And let's expand that definition so that we can honor, you know, this more yin space of mothering and what does that mean? And of course it's, it's a very unique application around children, you know, we're not going to like say they're exactly the same, but so there's so much crossover and so many more ways that also we as women can kind of come together and be one team and not be so segregated and separate. Oh, you know, I'm a woman with children. Oh, well then, you know, I chose not to. And Mm -hmm. it's just weird stuff that we could get into about women's competitiveness and things like that. But like this gave kind of a focal point for us to join, but also for women to really appreciate and honor what the choices they were making in that moment and how powerful we are as creators and, you know, what's possible when we, you know, decide to think of it more expansively that way. I love that. I have a friend who I was in the fitness industry with for a number of years and she switched or moved over into coaching around the time I did. And it's been really interesting to watch her evolve in terms of how she frames her work and approaches different concepts. And she does not have children. And she talks about the ways, all the ways that she mothers all the time. Mm. And she's a single woman without children by choice. And like, this is the life that she loves and the life that she's chosen for herself. And yet she still really, really identifies with someone who mothers in all these different ways. And she makes it really central to the way that she coaches. And I love that, that she embraces that I am mothering every single day in the work that I do. And this is something that when we were going through infertility the second time, I remember thinking, well, if I'm not going to have more children, that doesn't need to necessarily like constrict or restrict kind of, or put my capacity to mother in a small box it expands how I can mother in a more global way. Because if I don't, and I was thinking really specifically at that time, like if I was going to have a three-year-old and a newborn, you know, my capacity to have a global impact was going to be fairly small. Like my, I was going to be really busy in my insular world for Mm -hmm. a period of time. And then I was able to see if that's not going to be my reality, then what are the other opportunities I have to mother in other ways? And I've gotten to do that. I've gotten to you know grow my business in ways that I couldn't have if I had two little kids at the same time. I've gotten to be involved in mini school in ways that I probably wouldn't have had the bandwidth or patience for mm-hmm. if I had had a, you know, another little one. So 
I think that when we look, we sometimes I think can put boundaries that make mothering really small or constricting around ourselves yeah. and around um, what that looks like in communities. And I love looking at this in a more expansive, holistic way, because I think it really opens the door and invites us to think about the ways that we show up to share our gifts and our talents and our skills, but also to be in service to one another that feels really, really good. Like that's like the really validating part of motherhood. Exactly. It, it feels, it's hard, but it feels it's hard. good. It feels good. I love what you're saying, Sarah. And I, as you were talking, it was reminding me, you know, another aspect of that, that I hadn't put it in the realm of we all mother at this time. But when my husband and I were, had decided we wanted to try and conceive and have a family, have a whole journey. I won't go into like all the details of that, but a first big part of the journey was even getting my body having periods so I could try and then trying and it not happening, you know, right away for a number of months, like eight, nine months. But then I had what I consider a pretty profound spiritual experience where I was on a pilgrimage. We're in Ireland. We're in this like beautiful Mary grotto. And I, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, like heard a voice, you know, and this voice said, you enrich your family, whether you have a child or not. Oh my God. I just yes. sobbing. And what's and what I said earlier about rewriting the mother code now with my daughter, I was revisiting all those spaces. And I realized then I held it as we would be a family. It's also, I'm still a woman, right? And I think that has been really like with yeah. women I coach, so empowering to them because this wiring of thousands of years in our culture that like that is our purpose here. And you know, I'm not a woman if I don't mm -hmm. conceive and give birth to a child. And I got to heal at another level through being with this, through this wedding time that was already so profound and powerful the first time. But I, I think that's what it offers women and exactly what you're saying is you get to have this possibility, you get to create, you know, and, and honor that creation as something you're bringing forth into the world. And that can be dreams, ideas, pets, you know, this isn't, it's from the big global to the mother, my dog or cat, you know, they're, they're all yes. important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. My, one of my really good friends, her sister has a um, pet care dog walking business. And I love following her on, on Instagram. Cause I'm like, I've never seen a more proud mother. Like <laughs> this mm -hmm. woman, And she has three dogs and then she walks, I don't know how many dogs, but like, like the daily pictures. I'm like, that's absolutely mothering. And it's so fun to see all the ways that she, like it's her, her world is centered around caretaking and it's amazing. I mean, every day I'm like, I just want more dogs when I, when I watch <laughs> videos. We're in that question I've actually, as well. oh, God. that's like my next season of mothering. I'm like, okay, when the way I will fill the void when Vinny leaves the house is just a lot of rescue dogs, <laughs> <laughs> like three minimum, but maybe like seven. <laughs> I could totally see you like just Totally orchestrating your seven oh dogs. You'll be like the dog whisperer. It'll be so beautiful. Well, and you said the something. Dog Academy. The Shameless Dog Academy. I love it. But you said something about, you know, the, the caretaking and important aspect of this fact that like we mother and have this capacity to mother everything is another kind of key component of rewriting the mother code, which is that the most important person we need to mother is ourselves. And I know that is something mm -hmm. that you work a lot, you know, in this podcast and with the women that you work with is how, what does that look like? How do we fill our cup, oxygen mask ourselves, you know, first, and what does that really mean? And what does it look like? So that's kind of another myth buster, but key component of that aspect. 
Yeah. So tell us what is the mother code? Cause I think that will oh, get yeah. at some of that, which I think is, I want to hear more. <laughs> so the mother code, what I'm proposing is that we, you know, that I empower and support women to rewrite the mother code. Cause the mother code is whatever is in our current culture, you know, and that culture could be from our family and the wiring we got from our family about what does mothering mean? What does it look like? How was I mothered? you know, all of that wiring and then our cultural, like what does our culture say about it? You know, and we've been in thousands of years of a generational um, aspects of creating a culture that still has its nuances and variances, but so much of it is still around intensive mothering. So any of those aspects that we just kind of blindly follow, we don't even know to question Mm -hmm. them. It's just so much in, in what's what you think you should do. And because it's what everybody else is doing is the mother code. So rewriting it is going on the journey and exploration of identifying, you know, what those codes are both for you personally, culturally, and explore that so that you can make your mother journey your own and then make it your own. And then as you make it your own, you kind of just inherently make it a transformational journey, you know, but more of an intentional trick because Obviously, if you've had kids or you're mothering something, you you know that it there's something that automatically transforms, but but that can be heightened, expanded, manifold when we put some consciousness and attention to it. Absolutely. When you t- think about rewriting the mother code and using yourself as an example, where did that start for you? Did it start in that experience in Ireland or did it start after that where you had like some really high level consciousness around this? Yeah, I would say without knowing that this was kind of what I was doing, you know, before and mm-hmm. in, in our conception process. So it's to get where I am now, I had kind of both experiences, right? I, and I'll share a little bit from each of them. I had experiences of like, oh, wow, like what it looks like to explore and be conscious in the journey and then what it looks like when you don't. So, you know, this isn't from a like, oh, I you know, I did this perfectly. So let me tell you, it's like, Rainbows and unicorn I think that, exactly. The thing I think that got me most to like, actually like dig into it was seeing how easy it is to, to stray from it. But yeah, early on, and my husband and I started our marriage by doing couples coaching and it kind of put us on a, mm-hmm. a journey of self-development. And that was like, just so amazing to me and so cool. So we waited about six years because I got married young. I was 24. So we waited six years before we decided to try and have children. And by that time, I had learned some things about, you know, going into a big endeavor like that a little more mindfully, right? Mm-hmm. So when things happened, like when I went off birth control and I didn't get a period, sure, one of the people I was going to talk to an OB was an OBGYN, but I also was going to look at it emotionally and physically from other kind of integrative. And, you know, this is in the, let's see, she was born in 96. So, you know, this is early nineties. These things were like very new age, right? (laughs) More so like at that time. So, you know, we got books on conscious conception and, you know, we were, so I was leaning into what it looked like to explore. And I'll share, you know, one example in addition like before, as I was getting my body to do what it, to make it physically possible, you know, to even start Mm -hmm. conceiving, I had an OBGYN that top OBGYN at Northwestern, the top hospital here in Chicago had her Western medicine hat on. And from her perspective, this was something that, you know, she would immediately give me a drug for it, start me ovulating. And, you know, if I, if nothing happened in a few months that 
she'd refer me to a fertility doctor. Now I would have just gone that path like, oh, okay, she's the top doctor. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. But luckily I had now been around other arenas that I was able to think differently about it and look at like, well, that's, well, first of all, I did get mad at her later. I'm like, this is all you got, right? Like, yeah. When you try other, when you know there's like other things possible, I was, so I knew I needed to go on an emotional journey. I went on, you know, I did acupuncture and integrative medicine and kind of bringing a holistic approach to it. But a key moment in unlocking it, I feel like for me, and I won't say it was this one thing, because I think it's always, you know, all of it together was in a coaching session. But in that coaching session, I was doing some pretty in-depth like body work. Maybe now it would be called Mm. somatic healing. I don't, then it was just body work and deep yeah. breath work. The lingo and has evolved. The lingo is evolving. Right? <laughs> I just realized that as I said that I was doing body work. I'm like, I think that's somatic healing now. <laughs> <laughs> Embodied, right? Like really getting like in there at layers yeah. that I didn't even know existed to get to this, you know, very deep terror. And mm. I hit this place of terror about being a mother. Oh. And then it went to like, I also was terrified to be a mother like my mother had been a mother that I would just replicate all the negative aspects. Now we've had quite a journey and she had plenty of positive, but I was very much in the like, that's all I know is that. And that was a huge healing moment. And, you know, things like broke open after that, you know, for me. So hopefully that's giving a sense of, so I had all those positives. I have child number one. I could say a lot about like that journey child number two comes along and, you know, we still went into that. It's always different with your second, even though I'm a second board and I swore I would not short rewrite the second, rewrite the second. I was, I was, but here we just like, you know, got pregnant immediately with her and it all just like kind of happened really fast. But I was like, I don't know what you would call it. The first two months after giving birth to her, I, I didn't know what was up. I can't even call it depression. I was just out of it. You know, like, mm-hmm. and can I even do this? It, it was, there was a point at month two that I was like, okay, I think I can do this. <laughs> like, yeah. something like two months is a long time to keep babies alive. To be in there. Exactly. Like, you're just, I'm going through the motions. I'm, you know, doing, she was yeah. luckily a great eater and a lot of stuff like that. But I realized a lot of my like drive to like push the limits with my husband and be, you know, kind of cutting edge growth. I was scared. You know, I guess now I have two little ones. I got to take care of them. I don't want to rock the boat. But at this point, I'm now coaching. I'm coaching other women. I'm in this like family parenting space, but I pretty much like without speaking it, put my own self and growth on hold. It's like, I'm just going to maintain. I'm going to assume I'm kind of getting something out of the fact I'm coaching others. But, you know, and I'm still exploring what all went on for me at that time. I know there was fear. I know there was getting my comfort kind of from old ways, which was just to comply and go along with the program. And it was that like years later, and we still parented well, there's still a lot we did conscious, I would say, but I I started leaving myself out of the picture. I got very involved in them. I got, you know, Mm -hmm. my life started to revolve around them and, and really kind of lost myself for a number of years. And it wasn't until they were older that I started coming up for air out of that. And realized, okay, women need to know about this. <laughs> they need to know this possibility yeah. that's so cool when you do dig in and you go, you know, you plumb those depths because you learn so much about yourself and it it opens up space for so many things. And 
it's hard and it's scary and you might fall off, but at least for me, the big thing is like, I want them to know that option even exists, right? And that we have so many more choices than we think we do. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under-sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I love the idea of mothering ourselves And when you talk about being consumed with mothering your kids and losing sight of yourself, I think that's Mm -hmm. really relatable and very common for probably anyone listening to this episode. I think that's something that happens really naturally and that we don't think about it in advance. 
And then we're so obsessed with our child or children that we're, we don't see it when we're in it. And then we get past the obsession and like, we're still deeply in love with them, but like, it's not new and exciting, but we're just so tired. that We can't like really be conscientious of the fact that we've lost sight of ourselves. And then there's this moment of like, oh, I've really lost sight of everything and caretaking myself or mothering myself. So when we are looking at that, how, what are some things that we can do when we are looking at how can we start to mother ourselves? If that's an area where we have either not had any consciousness or we really have just for the sake of getting through any given day, had to kind of put ourselves on the shelf. Well, something I like to always bring in, like at the, at the beginning, if we're looking at mothering ourselves is because there's a lot that's talked about and I'm a total advocate of like, okay, how do we carve out time for ourselves? How do we put ourselves you know, alone time, like, you know, kind of traditional self-care, but I always like to add a layer to it that I think a couple layers that, that I know you're familiar with, but I'll, I'll name them here is creating a vision for yourself as a mother. Right. So I don't know what that should be like, some, you should have to apply to motherhood. Right. And, <laughs> and like, we have to have a license for everything. I love that out in the parenthood movie, we have to get a license to, to go fishing. Right. But anyone, we're just all allowed to have a baby. (laughs) It it kind of boggles our mind, right? Like at least a parenting class should be a requirement anyway. So there's, you know, things in there. And the one thing I would have in that class around taking care of ourselves is what does mothering mean to me? Like ask some of those questions. What's the experience I want to have? What's the quality of, and it can be ideal, you know, it could be idealistic because it's something to live into, right? It's not, it may seem impossible almost. So that's number one. And then number two is getting acquainted with our emotions, right? So navigating motherhood is hard. We get triggered all the time. And if we're just waiting for those moments to get away from our kids to mother ourselves, like what are ways we can, when we're with them, you know, mother ourselves. And when we really kind of reacclimate and, and get, I call it, get back in relationship I tend to refer to five primary emotions, fear, hurt, anger, sadness, and joy. And getting into this habit of identifying those basic emotions is super nourishing. One, it neuroscience-wise has huge benefits because Mm -hmm. when we get hijacked or triggered by something in our mothering, how many times a day, right? But our child (laughs) does every hour on the hour. (laughs) Now, in the bigger scheme, our child does something and farther down the line, we can identify like that as a trigger and something that is a wound from our past and all sorts of ways we can like dig in deeper. But just in that moment to say to myself, I'm angry. You know, we don't have to say that. We don't have to say that to them. We could just say, oh, I'm angry or I'm scared. Most of the time, like, you know, we yell or, you know, mom rage and all that is because we're scared, right? So just Mm -hmm. say, oh, I'm really scared right now. That does a whole thing in our brain to get us back, our amygdala hijack, calm down and kind of back up into our higher functioning where we could actually maybe make a bit more conscious decision than just respond reactively. I like this. Does that make sense? Because I can. Yeah, totally. Kinda, totally. Yeah, yeah. It sounds simple, but just, you know, writing those five down, checking in a few times a day. Mm-hmm. We started making this a game with our, in our family. We called it the feelings game. Because we can't just teach these things to our kids and we're not doing it ourselves, I believe, right? So none of us are masters of our emotions when we go into parenthood. I mean, they're 
I shouldn't right. say none. I'm sure there are a rare few <laughs> <laughs> who have some idea, but most of us completely oblivious. So we all can practice it. So, you know, it's one and of those sounds, kind of it's so grounding to like, yes. Just to, to, yes, yes. While it sounds really simple, this is something that I've realized a lot is that the simple things that we often ignore because we're like, well, that's just so small or so simple that it, we dismiss it as being insignificant. But a lot of times those small and simple things bring us back to ourselves yes. and yes. bring us back to our own intuition and our own inner voice. And that's super, super grounding. And we think that like, it has to be big, huge things that do that. And it's often really like very small, quiet things that can be done pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. And over time, you know, they, mm. they have a big impact yeah. too, exactly yeah. with what you're saying. And uh, an immediate thing that we can do and we can involve our children. And even if they're like babies, you can do it with your partner, or say it to them, even though we think they can't understand and, and review your day from the perspective of those five feelings, right? So where did I feel afraid today? Where did I feel hurt? Where did I feel angry, sad, and uh, joy? And you get a much richer conversation than like, how was your day? Right. Or, yeah. and I know there's some things like roses, thorns, it's kind of like that, you know, a positive mm -hmm. and a challenge from your day. But I think incorporating those five emotions gives it, and then you're practicing, it gives you an outlet, you get and a way to relationship build with your kids as well. Yeah. It's so interesting. I was thinking of a conversation I was having with Vinny the other day after school, and he was telling me about how his teacher quote unquote yelled at him. And I was like, I know your teacher didn't yell at you, but like, I know this woman. <laughs> so I was like, well, tell me what, like what happened and what the situation was. So as he's telling me, I'm like, oh, you mean you were being completely disruptive in class and your teacher redirected you? Like, I'm like, I understand the whole vision of this right now. And so he's like, yeah. And then she, like, she told me that I needed to stop or that I need, I don't even remember what the redirection was, but I was like, well, but like you were talking when you weren't supposed to be talking and you were bringing another kid into it <laughs> and to be mm -hmm. able to say, so he went on, on this like whole thing. She's so mean and blah, blah, blah. And like, I know he absolutely adores her, but in this moment, that's all he could focus on. And I am thinking through your words here to say like, oh, if you, what were you feeling? Fear, hurt, anger, like, you know, being in front of the class and having a teacher redirect you, like, that's just not a good feeling yeah. no matter what. And so oh. if you could identify instead of like, I don't like her, instead of saying like, I felt this thing that yeah. totally shifts the dynamic. And I think really allows a child to see a little bit more what's true versus like spinning this huge narrative around the teacher being so mean because the child was being, you know, impulsive or disruptive or what have you. Yeah. And without like naming it that, you know, is I love that example, Sarah, because it's teaching them responsibility, right? And yeah, yeah. and that's the biggest way we could take responsibility is by first identifying the emotion. And I'm even thinking, I mean, you've been, this is something that I know you practice some and have some awareness of, but I, I also know like anytime you hear either your child or say like, oh, my teacher was this, like, I'm having a feeling. I just had a feeling like whatever um, that one you know, wouldn't be quite as charged, but if you get a note from the teacher or like, I need yeah, to talk yeah. to you about your son, yeah. this is a really useful place to use that. So I can get more, as you said, grounded and centered and back with myself. And that's the right. whole point, right? Is all of this is about how do we, you know, navigate some of these aspects 
so that we can actually have moments where we're in the moment, right? And those are hard one, yeah. you know, and when we can actually yeah. be present to a present moment, it's, that's a gift, right? That's gold. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the game is about having, having some of those, yeah. and not about doing it right. I mean, that's another big code we need to write that there's some right way to mother, you know, a right way to parent. <laughs> and you and I both know that's a big scam. Right. <laughs> One of the things you had mentioned earlier in our conversation was around rewriting the mother code with a level of consciousness around how you were mothered. And mm. I think that part is really, really important. And I also really appreciate your example, like saying really outright, I had confusion around becoming a mother because of the fear I had around becoming the mother that I had, even though yeah. there's fantastic things about her. And I think that that's very relatable. And when we look back, I'm thinking back, even in the example that I just gave you um, around, you know, Vinian talking mm -hmm. out of school, that when our parents were parenting, there was just a different way of doing things where there wasn't like talking about feelings and getting grounded. And like, that just wasn't a part of the equation. And I'm thinking about mm -hmm. my situation, especially being raised by a single mom who wanted to make everything as painless as possible for mm -hmm. my sister and I under challenging circumstances. So there was a lot of like, just making it okay without, if I just brush like the sticky stuff under the rug, the kids won't notice that this is hard or messy or sticky or, you know, different than what their friends are experiencing um, or more challenging than what their friends mm -hmm. are experiencing. And that makes so much sense that she would want to do that to, to give us like the best experience possible growing up. But then on the flip side of that is not having tools or skills around recognizing like this really hard thing happened. And that was sad or that was scary, or I feel lost, or I feel grief or like any of those kinds of things. So when we talk about rewriting the mother code, I really appreciate thinking through without judgment, but thinking mm -hmm. through how was I parented and what are the outcomes of that good, bad, or otherwise, you know, and just noticing objectively kind of what that looks like. And then having some conscientiousness around, okay, so that's what it looked like for me. And here's how I want to do things differently, or here's how I, mm -hmm. here's how I know better in order to do better, which I think is, you know, from one generation to the next, hopefully just keeps on getting better and better. Right. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. 
Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Oh, I love you bringing up that part of it, Sarah. And and exactly what you said, it's, there's oftentimes it's out of love or care what they think, you know, might be best. Like I similarly had a mom that thought like the best thing was to keep me away from pain. So the minute something got hard, it's like, oh, mom, I want to quit. This is too hard. Okay, honey. Well, that didn't teach me to do hard things. Right. And kind of give me some of the tools to do hard things. And then what you're saying is so important because we do have choices and what we want to do is, is make those choices conscious, right? Because we're going to either, what happens when we don't kind of take a look at some of this is we either react and swing the pendulum, like the total other direction, right? So, you know, my mom was too blase too like, oh, okay. So now I'm going to be like super strict with my kids and they're going to stay in it no matter what. And, you know, and (laughs) I don't care how painful it is. Like, that's what you're doing, right? Like we're going to react or we're just unconscious and we just end up doing the same thing and we don't even care or, or know, you know, this is really about raising the level of awareness. So once we've raised that, then this vision that I talked about earlier, then we can start picking like, here are some things that I think really worked or that I'd want to bring into my mothering. And these like really didn't. So how would I do it differently? That isn't just the not of that, right? It isn't just the, I'm going to not do that. Well, what am I going to do positively? What would I have wanted, you know, as a child? So when we do that, one, if we really dig in deeply, we can heal some of that, some of where that was a wound of ours. And from things that may seem a little more innocuous or not that big a deal. Cause I think it's all a big deal when you're a kid, right? Like ways that yeah. we feel like it wasn't okay. Or, you know, we have feelings about it, but we couldn't share them because it wasn't okay in our household. Yeah. So we have that opportunity and then we can do that in the moment with our kids. So when we are giving them this thing that we didn't get, you can put little Sarah, you know, next to Vinny and give it to yourself too. And I thought that was some of the best advice I got in parenting ever was like, oh, that's the way you can grow yourself up with your children or take kind of what had happened in the past, make it conscious, and then not just try and throw it away or bury it, but like heal and do something with it and um, grow up with your child. I think that potential is so beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. That resonates. One of the things I've talked through in therapy over the last couple of years, which I didn't love at first, it sounded like really cheesy to me, but it was talking to your little girl self. So like me talking Mm -hmm. to Sarah when she was eight or nine years old. And at first I was like, this is so ridiculous, (laughs) but it's been really interesting as things have come up over the last year and a half or so to catch myself in moments and be like, okay, you're reacting this way as your eight or nine-year-old self, like that your fear that you're feeling or like the weird and wild conclusions that you're jumping to right now that have no basis in reality. This is your eight or nine-year-old self. Like this is scared Mm -hmm. Sarah who didn't process Mm -hmm. what she needed to process then. 
now sitting in like fight or flight over a really innocuous and random situation as a 47 year old woman. And so, and so my therapist has said to me multiple times, like, okay, so you need to talk to your like little girl self right now in this moment. And when she first started talking to me this way, I was like, this is Mm. obnoxious and annoying. Like it was a lot of eye rolls. She's had to repeat it to me like many times over for me to be like, okay, maybe there's some value in this. <laughs> like yeah. maybe she's right. I love so you that. Just, I mean, you just spoke to that so beautifully that creating that space to mother yourself in those moments where maybe emotional growth was stunted or stalled or just not given the space to be cultivated mm-hmm. while you're also growing your child, I think is really, really powerful. And I think that when I'm probably pushing Vinny to talk about his inviting, we'll say inviting, I think a lot what of times it feeling? is because, yeah. because I'm like, oh, well, you need to process this because I didn't get to process that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think there's a ton you of value totally get in, it. in that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I just totally I pictured you doing that. I love it. All good stuff. All good mm-hmm. stuff. So how can a woman, so you talked about checking in with the four mm-hmm. feelings, five feelings, anything else that a woman can do to start rewriting her mother code today? Yeah. So there's the creating the vision, getting acquainted with your emotions, and also starting to explore and look at you know, what myths might I be? What is the current culture in mothering? Like, what am I seeing that I am reacting to online, you know, with social media and stuff? Like, start identifying for yourself. Like, I have 15 myths that I've come up with, but that I know there are more, way more than that. And it's really what's more personal, you know, to each woman individually that you explore and identify, like, what what are mistaken beliefs I have? We don't even know they're mistaken. How do I think mothering should be? What is this thing that, and what am I being told about what it's supposed to look like? So you can start discerning and, and it's courageous to question that I think, Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of poke, poke the bear, so to speak of the status quo. And, and no matter what, like, even if we know in our head, like what somebody may be showing on, Instagram or something that looks so ideal, idealistic, or, you know, so happy and wonderful all the time, even though we know that that can't possibly be true. Some, there's some part of us that thinks, but, but maybe it is, and I'm not doing it and I'm a mess, right. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever it is, you know, that these are ways that you can start validating your experience by exploring and all of this will start going toward like, so what are the codes I want to live by? Because that's the only person that it really matters to is yourself, right? And what have I listed that are valuable to me? What you know, what do I want to take from my family culture, my community culture? And what are my values and standards and how well am I living them? Like that, I think is the most healthy way. I, I don't know if healthy is the right word, but certainly more fulfilling and way less yeah. self-deprecating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like comparing Absolutely. ourselves to something, some ideal outside of ourselves or what I some expert that. says even, right. Cause you're going to listen yes. to me and like, Oh, but you still have to take everything I'm saying and put it through your own, like, Oh, I, I like that. I don't like that. And what, what, if I don't like that, what don't I like about it? You know, and don't just stop sometimes at that, but really explore. And we can go on a deep journey with just about anything. Right. Yeah. I love the 
permission to listen intuitively to what feels right to you and shut down the noise, whether it's on social media or like, I mean, to your point, whether it's what experts say, it's Mm -hmm. so interesting. There's things that I was told when Vinny was really little, like expert things that I held on to. And especially when you only have one kid, you're like, well, they're not doing, I think that once people have like two or three kids, they're like, well, I can see how like it's different for every kid. But when you have one child, you're like, I think I'm just doing it wrong. And I have to try harder. This one thing, like, Cause this expert said this works for everyone. And like, the truth is like, no one thing works for every child. So I remember having to like reach kind of a level of discernment around like, okay, I'm going to listen, but like 50% <laughs> listen mm-hmm. and then like, listen inward to yeah. determine like what really makes the most sense. Um, and I think that level of permission is really, really important and really crucial. And I think that that's a piece that gets overlooked is that like deciding how we want a mother and that it doesn't have to look a certain way. Mm. And I think that piece, that level of permission, I think really can give us space to change things and mother in a way that is meaningful to us and meaningful to like the particular kids we have. (laughs) So the ways that I show up to Vinny and I talk with other mom friends, I'm like, well, but my kid needs something different than that. So like, that's great that that works for you. Or like, I love that. I love that for your family and we're doing it this way because this is my kid and he needs something different. And like, objectively speaking, like here's what's working for us. And here's what, and that's great. If something different's working for you. I also remember the best parenting advice I got when Vinny was a tiny baby. I had a gym fitness studio at the time. And one of my members who was a fairly young mom, she had two little boys and she was like, she pulled me aside after class one day and she was, and cause a bunch of people had been like, Oh, the new baby Vinny. And here's like all these things about like, take naps when he's sleeping and all these things. <laughs> so she pulled me aside and she's like, you're not going to remember any of this advice. And she's like, literally the only advice that's ever worked for me is do what's working for you until it doesn't work for you anymore. And then find something else. <laughs> and it's like the I only parenting advice ever. And she was like 24 with like two little babies. And I was like, thank you, Crystal. Like I have carried that with me because what works for you in any given moment is going to be different than what works for someone else. And what works today. And it's going to change. Highly likely won't work tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, I know. We have to adapt and change. I love that. And you said it explicitly, but I also want to underline it. All of this is about tuning into our intuition and that culturally has not been valued. Right. And, you know, it's questionable. It's intuition gets kind of slated with woo woo and in this way that really isn't fair. So we've been trained to kind of dismiss that, like, but, you know, our gut sense, our intuition, what feels right to us in this moment, you know, is really more the guiding light we want to follow. Absolutely. Oh, I could just talk to you all day about all this. Good Me stuff. too. Can That's <laughs> so fun. Can you tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? Oh, I can. Well, I said it at the beginning, but in this moment where I'm sitting now, it's honoring that space that I just was in with my daughter and her wedding. And I still have like more to unpack and learn and grow from that. But I think to get that showing up that you're never an expert at this. It's a a never ending journey and possibility, which I think is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And really hope that it's, I think the other way I'm showing up is, you know, wanting that for as many moms as, as I can touch, you know, and, and being unapologetic about that yearning I have for myself to continue, but that other women have this awareness and then have the possibility that, that I've had. I love it so much. Oh my goodness. 
Thank you so much for being here today, Gertrude. This has been so much fun. Tell people how you work with folks, where they can find you, where they can listen to your podcast um, for sure. Because people who are listening, they're like, I need more of this. Mm -hmm. You can listen to Rewriting the Mother Code. Do you produce every week? Yes, I'm back to producing every week. Okay. I was doing okay. every other week. And you'll, of course, if you're listening to this, you'll have to find my episode with Sarah Dean because yes. it's one of my favorites. Yes. It's in there in 2022. And that was such an honor. But I love it. I love bringing different perspectives um, around mothering, but also just in general, how, you know, how can we live more from that space in general and consciously and mindfully? So that's one way. So it's called Mother Her but usually it's best to find it. It'll be in the show notes, but yeah, we'll everything, everything you can notes. find me under Dr. Gertrude Lyons. So my Instagram okay. is Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I, you know, put some content there. So, and then I think where I'd most direct people would be to my website, which is drgertrudelyons.com because there you can start rewriting the mother code by looking at the, I have a free gift of 15 myths to explore around mothering that you can, is a starting point for yourself when you sign up for my newsletter, which also then shares about all the different events I do because I do retreats, self-mothering oh, retreats, you like do here in Mexico. Beautiful retreats in Mexico. Yes. <laughs> I do, <laughs> People I do. need to go get yes. to the retreats. <laughs> exactly. And through coaching and other ways, I'm in the midst of, of writing a book. So I'm just going to, I have to say that out loud because it keeps me honest about getting it done. <laughs> I have a number of friends writing books right now and they are, everyone's saying it out loud a lot because <laughs> it's such a process. You're like, I got to say it out loud. Otherwise I won't gotta finish. Say it out loud. You got to say it out loud. So yeah, I would love to connect in any of those ways. Perfect. I will link everything up in the show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Dr. Gertrude Lyons. They can just get right through to those links and find you really easily. Oh my goodness, my friend. Thank you for being here. This was so fun, so insightful. And I'm just, I'm super grateful for you to you for taking the time. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and privilege. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.